Welcome to Terror Talk. Before we start the show today, I wanted to give you a heads up about our Patreon community. For as little as $5 a month, you can become a patron and join our Discord community, where we watch film together and chat daily. You also have early access to our episodes and a mini-cast that we do exclusively for Patreon members. Also, check out our new website at terrortalkpodcast.com. Follow along as we build it together. Most of all, thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Terror Talk with Shannon and Kathy. Hello. So today on the show, we are doing a bit of killer kids in horror. Yes, Kill, we are. Killer girl kids in Bad horror. Bad girls. Bad girls. And of course, now I am singing the cops theme song. Bad girls, bad girls. Exactly. Forever. We are specifically going to speak about the 1956 horror movie, The Bad Seed, as well as the 1976 horror mystery thriller entitled Alice Sweet Alice, where Brooke Shields has a small part. Mm -hmm. So let's start with The Bad Seed, just to go in chronological order, and then later we can blend them all together. How about that? So uh, The Bad Seed is... Two hours and 10 minutes. Thank you very much. It's a long one. They used to make movies long. Oh, wait. They still do. Air Force Colonel Kenneth Penmark and his wife, Christine, dote on their pigtailed daughter, Rhoda, who's played by Patty McCormick, very famously, as does this lonely landlady, Monica Breedlove. But self-centered Rhoda has a secret tendency for selfishness and loves to accumulate gifts, whether given or stolen, in her room. Christine keeps her knowledge of her daughter's darker side to herself, but when a schoolmate of Rhoda's dies mysteriously, her self-deception unravels. Yeah. Okay, so I am not sure if I've ever seen this movie before. Mm-hmm. So this was, I mean, for me, it was effectively a first watch. There were a few scenes that seemed really familiar. Yeah. So. It might have been that I'd watched clips, but it also might have been that I had watched the whole movie. Okay. What about you? Uh, I had seen a lot of it when I was younger, but it had I don't know if I've ever sat through it like I did this time. Right. So just initial impressions about the movie, uh, only partly to do with our young killer girl kid. <laughs> kid girl, you whatever could, you You could tell it. this was, you know, we're coming off of a lot of theater. <laughs> oh, for sure. There's the, the overacting. Oh, the performances. But the 1950s yeah. was like that as well. Sure. So you take, you take that culture into Rhoda was very dramatic and throwing fits and all that. And it's not to say, you know, working with kids with a lot of profound personality issues, they do look like that. Yeah. It's actually not an overacting. But even if, even if you look at like Eileen Heckard, who played the the mother of the little boy who died and yes. coming in drunk. And oh, she was, I mean, in some ways something. really, I mean, we, from our sensibilities now, we like laugh at it. Yeah. I and mean, you've got this woman whose kid just died and she's drunk and miserable and, and ranting and raving. And mm-hmm. that's very, very sad. Right. But our sensibilities are like laughing at her because her it's performance. so histrionic. Yeah. And over the top. Oh, Rhoda! Ah! Yeah, she's... Yeah. But of course, you would be histrionic if you were in that situation emotionally. Yeah. But it is hard not to sort of laugh out of being uncomfortable at her at her like performance. But everybody's a little dramatic. It's theater, so everybody kind of acts to the audience as opposed yep. to the camera. One set. There's like one set for a lot of it. Given that, and even to the moment of the credits... The credits, you they have each actor come out and take a, a bow during the ending credits. That was so funny. So very, very theater oriented, yeah. which I appreciated. That was fine. But just know you're you're going into something that's a little 
way different than what you're oh yeah it's still looking at it's really um, it's old i can say that i've met little girls like this me too and they're terrifying. They're very terrifying because you see the vacancy in their eyes when they're smiling at you and trying to. So flatter. Flattery is something that she uses mm-hmm. throughout the movie to manipulate her parents and her neighbors and others. And then with other people, like with the man that does all the handiwork around the apartment complex, she doesn't flatter him at all. She's just straight, mean because there's nothing to gain exactly right so if we look at psychopathy like we've talked about in other episodes they're only going to be superficially nice if there's a personal gain there are for her there's personal gain for her parents for the psychiatrist who lives in the building who's like obsessed with her the woman the analyst or whatever she calls herself and then you have um you know some some of the other people at her school but the the handyman who is a a peasant and a and and somewhat of a slave in her mind um she the mask is off with him right and he sees right through her which pisses her off right and she keeps telling him no you're wrong no you're wrong she actually it's one of the only people in the whole movie that she has a conversation with that's real yes because he'll say something and she'll say that's not true right you're lying i mean she's lying but she's her true affect is there that's right it's like shut up you're stupid don't leave me alone super la, la, la. flat yep yep and angry and irritable yeah and spoiled you don't know, and gaslighting him you don't know what you're talking about but the scene where he says he has the shoes Yes. And you see her, her rage, uh, the rage kick in. See, she, her true affect is with him all the time, which I really appreciate it. Mm-hmm. And I appreciate the writing for that reason, mm-hmm. because we have it's not a whole movie where we're being duped by a child. We know what the child That's is. That's right. So we get to see both sides and we get to see the mom being gaslit all the way and spoilers all the way to the end when she tries to take her own life. Yep. She's literally driven there by the gaslighting of yep. her own daughter, which yep. was a fascinating part of this story for mm-hmm. me. I think if you look at the story from a psychological perspective, you'll actually enjoy the movie better. <laughs> honestly, that, that, I think that's really the only way. Cause otherwise it's a melodrama and, and it's, it's sort of odd. It, and it's horrific. Yeah. But if <laughs> yeah. you watch it for the, for the, the message for the psych, like you said, the mm-hmm. psychology of it, it's done very well. Mm-hmm. And even as much as she, um, you know, wants to almost replace her mother in a sense, she's, and, and the way that she sensationalizes and charms her father and daddy this and daddy that. And I, and she tried to do that with mom at the beginning, but the relationship being two females was very different. Yes. Um, but yeah, she, she in some ways wants to drive mom crazy to drive a wedge between mom and dad so she can continue this really neuro- psychotic manipulation that she has going on. Patty McCormick, for as young as she was when she played this role, I mean, she played it very well. Very well. Yeah. So some of her qualities that I notice, and so we can talk, you know, I'm sure you're going to talk about the psychopathy of it all. So some of the traits I witnessed were anger, rage, jealousy. She keeps everyone hostage, right? Mm-hmm. The the terrorist behavior that I call it. Spoiled. Mm-hmm. She's put on a pedestal from a young, yep. young age, which is not helpful. 
she tries to divert attention from taking responsibility mm-hmm. at every turn. Everything she tries to do is to avoid responsibility. Mm-hmm. As her mother says at one point, she's an adroit liar. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Flattery, as we've already discussed. A couple of my favorite moments, the auntie from who's the neighbor who... Yeah, she's the analyst or whatever. She's not yeah. an analyst, but she... Oh, I thought she, she was. She... She talks like she is. Oh, okay. And they they joke about how she's like an amateur. Oh, okay. She talks about psychology a lot, which is yeah. interesting in this movie because they talk about a lot in this movie. They bring up a lot of psychological concepts because <clears throat> the dad is a journalist and the grandpa is a journalist, and so they all talk about the psychological stuff. So they'll stop like a theater, like a play. They will stop down and have conversation, which I kind of enjoy. But at one point. <laughs> at one point Rhoda says she's asked a question like how do you feel about it her mom is trying at one point her mom gets wind of it and her mom starts to ask her questions basically to assess her psychopathy and try to figure out if she's the one that killed this person or that person and Rhoda just looks at her and says I don't feel any way at all mm-hmm. and I'm like yes that's exactly right so the spot on characterization there's no there's no guessing with this character. Right. She's a young psychopath. Yep. And you don't have to guess. Another one of my favorite shots is when grandpa comes to visit. Mm-hmm. I was just about to talk about that. Okay, cool. No, no, go ahead. Uh, cool. Because I'll just say that grandpa knows the true lineage yeah. of the kid, the ancestry, the bio uh, part of this, the nature as opposed to nurture. And he comes, he realizes what's happening. And there's this moment where he's leaving the room and he, he looks at the, his granddaughter Rhoda and he looks her in the eyes. And the shot is that you see his realization of exactly what she is. And she says, why do you look at me that way? Mm -hmm. And he picks her up and he gives her a big hug and they push in close and they look at him. And the acting is amazing because you just see his like, that's what you are. Yep. I love you. Like in his mind, you can see like, I love you. You're my grandchild, but I know what this you are. Is, I know what you are. And so I'm going to set you down. I'm not going to answer the question and I'm going to get the fuck out of here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He said, I think he diverted it by saying like, I just looking at how big you've gotten. Yeah. Or some diversion. Yeah. Right? The, I loved that scene too. I mean, obviously the acting, like we were saying is so over the top with Nancy Kelly, but I think it's a really meaningful moment that she has with her father because she's like, I know you're not my biological father and I need to know where I came from because I know what's going on with my daughter. And I it get was, it. If, yeah. you, if you fast forward 50 years, we're looking at um, the same sort of affect or emotional, you know, come to Jesus moment that Tilda Swinton has and we need to talk about Kevin. It's right. the, did I create this? And and how did we get here? You know, and, and she has that moment of, I I created this. This is from my side. Yeah. And of realizing who her true family was, yep. which ends up being people that her grandfather was writing about who were psychopaths or something. And so he like rescued her from yeah. the family. Right. And then so I thought also that one of the things that this movie brings, like you said, there's so much discussion about psychology, but one of it one of the things that I think both these movies bring but this one in particular is discussions of nature versus nurture yep 
They, they go into, I was actually quite shocked being, it was night. I mean, obviously we had analysts and stuff in 1956, but they really go into a lot of sophisticated depth in this movie about it. And I thought that was really, really kind of cool. It, well, like you were saying, there was this pause where they're just having this conversation about it. And I'm like, wow, I didn't remember that part. They allowed themselves the ability to stop action and have conversation about idea. Mm-hmm. which I always appreciate about plays. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't always translate well to movies, and that's why a lot of movies that are made from plays, you know, unless they make them very cinematic, they kind of don't succeed. Just like movies from books are a lot about internal revelation. Mm-hmm. And so if they if you don't shift it up from the book to the movie and realize you're in a cinematic universe, that's why lots of book files, you know, don't like it when they're made into movies and get really disappointed because it's, it's a different, it's different. You have to right. make it cinematic. You can't make it like the book. That's why a lot of Stephen <clears throat> King books don't, don't translate well unless they have a very cinematic writer that can make them cinematic because Stephen King books are constantly about internal revelation and, and monologue and dialogue. That's right. So with this, I think it works well because I enjoyed, I just went with it. I went with the premise like, okay, this is more like a play and they're going to talk ideas. And so they have all these conversations about nature versus nurture. And I would say that this movie ends on nature. Yes. Because if it was nurture, it would be about how she had loving parents and, and all of that. And that that had an influence on her. Right. And now we see in real life that it absolutely does have an influence mm-hmm. on kids it very often can turn around some some very difficult behavior. Psychopathy is hard, though, because psychopathy, we're talking about neurology. I understand. Right? Yeah. So, and I think that's what this movie really captured. We're not dealing with a sociopath. We're not dealing with a narcissist. We're dealing with someone who's born into this. Well, and so that's the message, right, is that you can't change the brain of a psychopath. You can't love them out of it. And that's really, that's that's the true horror of this movie. And it's a reality that I, that you see. Yeah. And something that not everybody realizes either or can suss out the details of. Yep. Because sociopaths, as we talk quite a bit on the show, to the, to the layman can look the same or feel the same. Yeah. But, but they don't. Right. <laughs> but they aren't. They're very different. And then the movie ends in a familicide, basically, trying to kill her daughter and shooting herself. Yes. And then in the first shot of the credits, they have the actor and the ac- the actresses that play the mom and da- daughter like prance out onto the set and hug each other just to remind the audience, we didn't really kill anybody. Yeah. <laughs> and I thought that was so funny because it was like, oh, 1956, because it's brutal. Yeah. The way this story goes and what happens and how violent this kid is. Mm-hmm. And then the way it ends it's brutal for the time period. It so is. they had to they had to say that to the audience, like, we're all okay. Yep. Everything's fine. Whereas they wouldn't, of course, do that these days. They would not days. do that now. But they had to then. Yeah. Let's move on to Alice Sweet Alice. Yeah. Just have a little discussion here. So Alice Sweet Alice is 1976. It's an hour and 42 minutes. You know, this is in the... Although it's not considered by many horror fans as a slasher... Yeah, it is in the top four. It pretty much is. It's in the top four all time. 
Yeah, I mean, it's a horror movie. It seems like a slasher to me. But. And it's mm. it's a classic. Like, it's in the top four favorites of all time. Yeah, no. Yeah. I, and I enjoyed it very much. I had seen it before, but mm-hmm. not in a million years. And only once. So, favorite daughter, Karen, who's actually played by Brooke Shields, is viciously strangled and set afire in church on the day of her first communion. Like, talk about vicious. When they go with kid psychopaths, both of these movies are brutal. Yeah. <laughs> and suspicion falls on her jealous and emotionally unstable sister, Alice, played by Paula Shepard. When the girl's aunt, Annie, is later stabbed on an apartment complex stairway, Alice is sent away. But the attacks continue, prompting priest Father Tom and Alice's dad, Dominic, to go in search of the real killer. Can we talk about all the weird relationships in this movie? First Please. of all, first of all, <laughs> Father Tom and Mommy were having a thing. Oh, that totally. was so clear. Totally. Um, so, you know, we know that there was lots of sexual tension between the priest. Yes, and the mother. Yes. Uh, the mother and father are divorced. The father's remarried, yet comes home after Karen dies and they start to have an affair again. Um, so there's all this like extramarital stuff going on that leads us to know that there's and here's the spoil sorry again spoiler alert 1976 sorry if you haven't seen it stop now but yeah, you yeah. know we 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 find out essentially that one of the the nuns in the church ends up being the killer right to at least a couple of these murders yeah the grown-ups to the grown-ups and the message is that she's having a reaction to their uh you know sinful nature Right. So she, he, she's essentially killing off anybody that's contributing to the sin. Like a regular serial killer. She's right. got her motive. This for is her motive. What she wants. This who is her, she wants to die. Her justification. That's right. But underneath all this, there's no motive for her to kill Karen, which leaves the audience without a sense of closure and still wondering is Alice, which I believe Alice did kill her sister. And so it, it really paves this way of like, choose your own adventure in a way. And it drops all of these clues and these hints throughout the film that there is something really wrong with Alice. She is not the sweet girl. She's tormenting the odd neighbor. She's, uh, w- first of all, walking around in a Cupid doll, see-through, transparent mask that's terrifying as fuck. Yeah. And thinks it's funny. There's a lot of really odd... No, she likes to manipulate. She's definitely violent. Mm-hmm. She's vengeful. She's jealous. She she doesn't have any empathy. She's sort of blank. Yep. You know, when people... She bullies and then laughs. Like, she doesn't have any sense of people suffering. Nope. You know? And I... I definitely, I didn't know there was a question (laughs) because it was obvious that she kills Karen Mm -hmm. in the church. They just never explicitly say it. As a part of the first act or like the, the, the end of the first act, the inciting incident is that she kills her sister, burns her. And then we go on this adventure. And also I'll just say this for a, a modern sensibility. I also knew that all of the other murders were not Alice because 
it straight up looked like a grown woman. Well, yeah, she was tall. She The only thing that didn't make sense to me is... She moved around grown men. She's like rolling them around. Like yeah. it wasn't a kid. No. And I knew that. And I'm like, oh, someone else is killing. Like it wasn't a mystery But to I me. also thought it was somewhat odd for a woman of her age to be that fast and to be to be able to move men around. <laughs> well, that was the, the that male did. stuntman that they used That's for what her. I'm saying. Like that was clearly not her. That's why I was like, who the hell is it? I know it's not Alice, but the first time I, I've seen this before, but the first time I watched it, I was like that's clearly not alice but then when they show who it is i'm like how did she do all that yeah it's um, kind of ludicrous in a way and right. it's pretty campy and i would say this is american giallo yes oh my gosh yes. yeah so yes yes so just go into it knowing that it's a bit campy you kind yeah. of pick up on it but also I, I was amused and enjoyed it quite a bit as well but yeah alice is Alice well, is a psychopath. Alice is a psychopath. Mm-hmm. And there's an animal killing. She kills a cat. Mm-hmm. So she fits all of the psychopathic traits, right. whether or not you believe she killed all the others or not. She's going to she's gonna go on to kill others. And they leave it at that. They leave the ending at that. Right. She gets you know. away with her, her murder because they think it's the nun that yeah. did all of it. And, and it's surprising there wasn't sequels where they had her be a killer. I know. She um she was are let us know she was a great villain I think and I think for this time we didn't see little girls in these roles I mean we had Reagan in The Exorcist but that she was a victim in that movie yeah and you had the Bad Seed as a precursor you know you had some other movies but um but they are definitely less less common I mean we didn't even see that many little boy killers we had the Omen and stuff like that but those were in straight horror and weren't respected in that way right you know because he was possessed by a demon type of thing yeah they try to make kids be possessed by demons and not actually be psychopaths that's right but we know they can the concept of evil right yeah the concept of evil lets you know Regan from the exorcist and all that get away with it but a true psychopath is not possessed by anything other than their fucked up people don't want to see kids as anything less than innocent that's right, and I think that's re- one of the big reasons why this movie was written, that, you know, three-fourths of it is a is a grown-up doing the killings. Mm-hmm. But also, like you were saying, as a slasher, it's a fun slasher. It is. But go into it knowing it's like Giallo. I, th- I was going to say, American <laughs> Giallo is a great way to describe it. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. But also, so let me just touch on the nature versus nurture situation. So this movie also comments on nature versus nurture, right? Mm-hmm. Because with with knowing that it's if there if you buy the big reveal that it's an adult doing it or what have you like if you were actually duped by that which maybe in 1976 they were I think they might have been yeah because honestly. because the adult wears the same mask and that was the whole idea yeah. that you were supposed to we're believe way that the more adult sophisticated now yeah like I didn't even I was like that's a different person yeah <laughs> like immediately oh that's a different person I wonder who this person that wouldn't is. I don't think that would have been a thought this was I, I mean I, I just but back re- in the day they would have yeah. they would have believed it yeah so the comment on nature versus nurture is also that oh so Alice witnessed all this violence mm-hmm. along the way right so from the time she killed Brooke Shields <laughs> to the end of the movie she witnesses all this violence too. I was kind of tracking that as well. She's doing her own psychopathic stuff, killing animals and torturing the neighbor and all of that and bullying other people and stuff. But she's also witnessing all this tons of violence. Yep. So you would have that nurture issue where mm-hmm. kids who witness a lot of trauma end up with more narcissistic or sociopathic yep. traits. It's one of the reasons why we assess for that when we do assessments is when I when I ask kids and assess them for treatment, 
I'll say what, you know, I'll ask these sort of this trauma, quote unquote trauma assessment. I'll ask these kinds of questions. Mm -hmm. Have you ever witnessed violence? Mm -hmm. Have you been in a war zone? Da, da, da. So, but there's obviously a nature piece as well. You know, if, you know, as Kathy's saying, if, if psychopathy is wired in the brain and we can't do anything about it, then her, who is that? Her grandmother that's actually doing all the killing? That's a relation of hers, right? I don't think so. I thought it was the nun. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I forgot yeah. if there was a relation there. So it's like, okay, well, so where's the nature? Because she's a psychopath. Yeah, we don't know. Yeah. So it doesn't quite jive with that, with psychology in that way. Because mm -hmm. if, if we're saying she's a psychopath, where's where's the where's the uh, nature? Where's well, the we, lineage? We didn't really see it in, uh, we need to talk about Kevin either. Yeah, they, they just don't show they it. They don't and show it. The only reason why I mention it is because yeah. we're kind of looking at the veracity sure. of are they are they really given all of the traits of a psychopath? And that would, you know, yeah. I, I think the bad seed does that as yes. a major plot point. It's yep. a major plot point that there's a lineage, whereas this, not so much. We know that there's a lot of confusion around her mother and father's relationship, her mother's relationship with the priest. Right. We all, I mean, maybe we're looking at a sociopath. I don't know, but you know, right. um, but clearly there's a lot going on in that home. And she was very jealous of Karen and Karen mm -hmm. having a special relationship with father Tom. And so there's, we, there's a lot we don't know. We, we it's almost like you come into this movie um, in the middle of the chaos and we don't get much before like we do in the bad seed. So, which is a great, uh, movie convention. Often when you're writing scripts or even writing novels, when you're writing people, that's a very, very, very common thing that a writing coach will say is come in in the middle of the action. Don't give me the whole story. Just right. go right to the middle of the action and start there because it's just more exciting for the audience. They let you fill in a lot in this movie. Mm -hmm. Whereas the bad seed, they do the same thing, but they end up stopping down and having conversations about ideas. Yeah. So it's just a little bit of a different mm -hmm. vibe. Totally. So as we end up, I did wanted to say, this is our last episode of Terror Talk before season four. Mm -hmm. Very excited. We are continuing on to season four. We really appreciate all of those, those of you who listen to us regularly and maybe anybody who's new, like, thank you so much for being here. I want to let everybody know that season four, our patrons know this on Patreon because we talked about it in a, in a Patreon, patron only message, but we're changing up the format of the show. You're going to get all the same segments Lots of the stuff that we do on Shrink Chat, lots of the stuff that we do here. We're putting it in one big, beautiful show that's going to come out every Wednesday. So if you've listened to this long and you're listening to the end of this season one of season three of Terror Talk, just know that next week, tune in because we're trying to we're trying a new thing. We're we're gonna we're hoping it's going to be more creative, more amazing, and we'll have a big Terror Talk show that comes out on Wednesdays, and then you guys listen to it at your leisure. So thank you so so much for going on this journey with us. We continue to create and shift how we do things in order to make it better for you, honestly, and to have a lot of fun ourselves. So thank you for listening. This has been an episode and a season of Terror Talk. My name is Shannon. And I'm Kathy. Sleep safe, everyone. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Terror Talk. Please check out our Patreon page, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. We'd love to engage with you as part of our community. 
please take a moment to leave us a comment on any of our social media. Thank you so much for listening. And once again, sleep safe.